Hey lovelies, it's your girl Ray Johnson, who's the sunshine. This is a special episode, our season finale for season one of this wonderful podcast. Thank you so much for listening to us and we'll see you in season two, picking back up in January. But for now, I'll let you listen to this episode where Lauren interviews me about a miracle that occurred in my life. Figured it was quite fitting considering how Jesus' birth and the miracle of the peace he fulfilled is just around the season with the celebration of that wonderful Christmas spirit. Have a wonderful time with your families. Hello, my name is Lauren Green, and I'm here today with my friend Ray Johnson, who is a junior and pop culture media production major. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. (laughs) Thank you so much for talking to me today. Of course. It's always a pleasure talking to you in any fashion. Oh, thanks. It's always a pleasure talking to you, too. (laughs) (laughs) So, how is this week? I know we're approaching finals. Yeah, it's crazy. It's honestly kind of weird for me in the sense that I have one this Saturday, but then my next two are very spaced out. And it's just kind of a weird schedule. I'm not complaining in the sense of very grateful I don't have any back-to-back. But it's just kind of funny how I'm just going to be chilling on campus for a few days, not taking an exam, waiting for the other ones. But it'll be fine. We'll all get through it. It'll be fine. (laughs) And it's a good thing you have that gap in between, so you have some time to decompress. Oh, true, girl. Yeah. (laughs) Much needed. You're not lying. (laughs) So today we're going to be talking about an experience in your life that was close to a miracle that you considered. And I remember you telling me that this particular experience was when you were playing golf and not performing at your best, but that all changed when your mom prayed for reassurance. And later on, a golf landed on the tee box. So thank you for agreeing to talk with me about that today. Yeah, of course. It was an amazing experience. And still to this day, when I briefly recount these events to friends such as yourself and others I've told, I still can't believe that it quite that it happened. It seems more like something that would happen in a movie or something. Just because of how it all played out, it seemed in a lot of ways just too good to be true to be happening, but I'm obviously grateful it did. And as Lauren just mentioned, I wasn't really playing my best, and being that I was still in late middle school, early high school, I didn't quite have the maturity to, when I started to play bad, to mentally get over that and think, okay, my next shot I can improve that. I didn't quite hit that threshold yet of that mental capacity because I was still pretty new to golf a year or two in. So, <laughs> and yeah, in that particular practice at my grandma's golf course, my mom was in the golf cart and just seeing how visibly upset I was at myself when we were on the back nine had prayed that I would feel reassurance that I can improve and to start having the mindset that one shot doesn't determine how the rest of the hole will go and the rest of the game. And it's honestly a really great life lesson too. And the feather had landed on the tee box that I was about to tee off from. And that's also unique because tee boxes are at different distances. So is that the one that I usually use per hole? And it was just amazing how I felt an overwhelming sense of peace 
when I saw that feather, and I've been collecting them ever since. Yeah, and I remember, I know you just said that it's not always how you start, it's how you finish. And I know you've, you've done other sports too, like basketball, soccer, tennis. So what first got you interested in golf? Well, my PE coach, when I still went to a private school growing up before coming here to High Point, I explained to her how I still wanted to be in sports, but my flat right foot prevented me to have the endurance most kids did my age, especially because I didn't quite know at that time I could build up my right foot's I guess, strength and resistance to those types of elements within sports. And I just felt like I was kind of lagging behind when I had to run back and forth on a court, so forth. So she told me about golf. And I started practicing every day that summer. I ended up being on the varsity team at just seventh grade. And I was shocked with my progress and the fact I even was able to be on the team, much less get a letter and consistently be placed third in my team. And it's honestly been such an amazing, life-transforming sport that I've been into because of how much it relies on your mentality to play the sport and how if you mess up, I mean, you really can't blame anyone but yourself, but you also have to learn how to not blame yourself so much to the point where you let it affect the rest of your game. That's very true, and that's amazing that that you practiced the entire summer and that you were able to make the varsity team. So what did that mean to you in that moment? I still can't believe that it happened, honestly, <laughs> and I lived it, you know? Um, it was really just a great experience, and I just gained that much more appreciation for golf just seeing how I could somehow pick it up as well as I did. And you certainly have. So compared to other sports you've played, how would you describe your track record in golf? Well, I say that with my flat foot, it definitely helped in the sense of it aided me when it came to my transference of my downswing to my upswing when hitting the ball. At that moment of weight transference for impacting the ball, my foot being as flat on my right foot just helps aid that transition really well. So. I felt that I was just quite, I guess, quite literally built for the sport, especially when I had a private coach explain that whole concept to me at one point in my time. And just in general, I gained a much better appreciation of sports overall, just seeing how much talent, dedication, and time it really does take to excel in any sport, and especially in something like golf where it's very individualistic-based. <laughs> For sure. And I know it can be difficult sometimes when you have whether physical or even like mental restrictions, such such as your foot situation. So when evaluating your strengths and weaknesses, what incentivized you to continue playing? I'd say that the fact that I'd learned at a certain point that I could use any weakness I were to come across, like let's say I couldn't hit a particular club in my bag quite as well as the others, or still at the point when I was still trying to improve my mental game, that I could use those to my advantage in the sense of, okay, sure, this is something I still need to work on, but the strengths that I have are also beneficial because they have helped me with this other part of my game and have helped me get this score and so forth. 
So it's really about how you view your strengths and weaknesses and how you combine those to find use in both of them, really. And no one's going to be 100% good at everything in golf. I mean, even professionals still work on certain parts of their game. But it's just nice to know that the viewpoint you have on your strengths and weaknesses really determine how much they come into play and affect you in your game. That's very true. And so given like all, all the strengths, like what were some of your favorite memories playing golf? <laughs> well, I'd have to say there are definitely three that stick out, but one of my favorite memories was when I was part of what was called the Junior PGA League, which I joined when I started becoming homeschooled. And I was for most of, if not all, my high school career homeschooled and <laughs> I remember there was this hole, and we were playing in a format called Captain's Choice, where you and your immediate teammate against two other opponents would hit, both hit a ball, and you'd pick the best lie. And we were on the final hole. Me and my friend Janie, we were the only two girls on the team, <laughs> and which was very common in golf growing up, especially at that age range. And I hit my first drive off the par three. I was originally going to use my driver because I hadn't quite built up strength at that time, but then I saw all these people on a hill just uh, overlooking the green. I'm thinking, you know, it probably wouldn't look too great if I accidentally hit someone. <laughs> so then I grabbed a couple clubs lower in distance and I got it on the green. It's about 15 feet away from the hole. Everyone was going berserk and bananas. I'm like, I mean, I know it was a good shot, but geez, okay, like, why are y'all celebrating this much? And then I put it in, it hit it right at par, three strokes, and it turns out that that was the determining hole if we were to move on to states or not from regionals at that moment, and I had no idea. My mom kept telling my, our coach, please do not tell her this decides everything. <laughs> She'll overthink it. She'll freak out. <laughs> and it was just so funny how all of that panned out in our favor. <laughs> it certainly did, and that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So going off of that, like, what did, when you found out that you basically paved the way for your team to compete at, <laughs> at, um, at states and regionals, what did that mean to you, especially being one of the only two girls on the team? It meant so much, honestly. I, I knew that our team was really good, and it took all the other teams with their pairings to do as well as they did. Us to even have the chance when it came to Janie and I approaching our hole, but it <laughs> it was just such an amazing feeling, and I also felt like the practice I had done before then had truly paid off, especially with how determined my mom was to work with me to make sure that my mentality was in the right space. Oh, good. And <laughs> when you talk about um, having the right mentality. Mm -hmm. Going back to the day when you were not performing at your best. How would you describe your mentality that day? Just overall, up until the miracle of the feather, I just knew because I expect so much of myself and had felt, especially back then, with the fact I'm an only child, I'm like, well, dang, I'm, my parents putting all this money into me doing different things and I need to make sure I'm the absolute best because I'm the only thing they got child-wise, you know? <laughs> um, but I would just put so much pressure on myself that when I didn't perform well, because I knew I could do better 
and I knew that if I were to have a flub of a shot, that um, that wasn't the best of my ability. So I would really kind of harbor that. And then when I did come to hole 13, I think, or 16, yeah, I know it was an odd number, <laughs> on the back nine, I saw that feather and I don't know what it was, but once I realized there were no Canadian geese around, as they're very prevalent here in North Carolina, mm-hmm. and that it was just that feather, I felt an overwhelming sense of peace and tranquility, and that provoked me to play that much better because I was just in so much better spirits. Oh, that well, that's good that you that it was comforting and reassuring to you just seeing the feather there. And so when you when you mentioned before that the fact that you are an only child and your parents put an exorbitant amount of pressure on you to do well, well or for you that to myself yeah yeah so do you, how do you think that was beneficial or detrimental to you and your growth in golf Well since I was instigating it of myself putting pressure on me my parents are the kind that just support me no matter what I'm into you know within reason obviously you know mm-hmm. <laughs> um I just, it would put me in a bad spot where I expect myself to be perfect all the time and to never mess up. That's the kind of mentality I had placed myself in. And it was more of even when my mom and my dad would try to help me by reassuring me that I'm the only person doing that to myself and expecting that of myself. It was more of just something that I had to realize on my own in addition to their help and resources they would give me, like books on how to get over a flub shot and all this kind of stuff that they would give me to improve upon myself. Um, But I think that in addition to all that, just over time with their constant support and that feather being there at the exact moment it was in time in my life just catapulted me to have a much better mindset about myself and not just golf but in everyday situations as well when I run into an obstacle that's very true and when when the feather after the feather landed on the tee box how would you compare your mindset for the rest of the game compared to where you were at the beginning oh it was truly transformative it was clear night and day like a line was just drawn in that moment (laughs) I played so much better And as I've mentioned, I felt an overwhelming sense of peace and tranquility. But other than those words, I can't truly articulate the overwhelming uh, extent of those feelings. It was just truly remarkable, just the sense of joy and peace that I felt to where I completely forgot how I was viewing myself before in my game. And it it was truly incredible, honestly. It sounds like it for sure. And so when what did you make of your mom later telling you that she had prayed for reassurance when you were struggling during practice? I almost cried, honestly, because I knew that she had cared so much about me enough to even bring me to golf practice in the first place. And to find out she had prayed for something like that to occur just made me really emotional. <laughs> And I know, as, as you've told me before, like you are a devout Christian for sure. So how would you describe your faith prior to this experience? Just like any Christian, I feel that we all, in some point of our lives, struggle with 
knowing the concept of trusting God versus actually acting that out in our personal lives as to what that truly means for us. But I felt that in that moment, that with how stubborn I can be sometimes, (laughs) that I truly needed a visual of knowing that he's always going to be there for me, I can always trust him and come to him, that kind of thing. And it also goes to show that miracles he's done in the Bible, while he had sent his son Jesus on earth to perform miracles, that they didn't just end in those times, that they still can happen today. And it may seem really cheesy to say that, but it's quite true, because I've also felt before that moment, when I would feel bursts of wind as I would play golf, that was also him signifying his presence and him being with me as I played. Oh my goodness. And when, when you're saying that, you, t- you mentioned how in the Bible, God used to manifest certain miracles, but how would you respond to people now who might believe that that's all primitive and it, it does nowadays? Right. I also think that one of the reasons people think that, other than just the vast amount of time has passed between those times and now, is we're just so inundated with how up-to-date and modern our technology is and with recording everything and social media that it's just that much harder to believe miracles can exist because we can say oh they just photoshopped that video or whatever you know what I mean if God were to perform a miracle they could just say it was CGI or something and just come up with a logical air quotes explanation for it and it's just that much harder to believe truth now because it's so convoluted these days. It certainly is. So with with that experience, how do you feel that the lessons you gain still impact your life to this day? Oh, man. <laughs> I feel so many good lessons have come from that moment. Probably too many to list, honestly, because <laughs> God just knows when to speak to you and to come to you at the perfect time, even if in some ways you wish it were sooner, but he he truly does know the best time. Sometimes thinking back to that moment, whether I'm recounting it in a moment like this or just pondering that it even took place, I'll sometimes joke with God after a long, hard day or just daily stress that happens. I could really use a feather right about now. It's just, it's been great, honestly, how that's catapulted so many good things to have come from it. It certainly is, and I think you're right. We could all certainly use a feather in our lives. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, it's so remarkable how your mother said that prayer for you. And how do you feel that you're still living off of your mother's prayers? I just, I love the phrasing of that because I feel when we get to a certain age, especially high school and definitely college when we're on a campus and away from our family most of the time, it's hard to think or I guess even consider that we live off of people's prayers. So I, I like the way you said that. Um, but I am I am just so appreciative of how supportive my whole family is, you know, even to my grandma and my mom's side of the family, all of them. Because I know that for those in my family who do believe, like my immediate family, that they really do pray for me every day and they always tell me that they do and I just, it really touches me. And it's also instilled in me the lifestyle of 
when I tell someone that I'm praying for them, I don't just say in passing like a lot of people do. I truly do pray for them either right then in that moment, depending on time restraints and whatnot, or later that night. Like, I'll write it down so I don't forget because I always have so much going on in my life. But I always want to make a point to truly remember to pray for someone. Because I know I'll feel so guilty if I ever forget. I'm like, ah, I'm sorry, Lord, I didn't mean to forget. You know, I just... <laughs> I just know how powerful prayer can be and how much it's helped me, especially with this whole feather event, that it's made such an impact with how I conduct my everyday life. Wow, and then that's that's really sweet also that you actually write down the people you, you intend to pray for too. Aww. So I'm sure the people in your life certainly appreciate that. I'll show <laughs> And so, what would you like people to take away from your experience? Obviously, God speaks to people, especially today, in various ways that He knows we'll be receptive to. He knew that with me seeing something visual, like a feather, and that it being the sole thing, where it's like, well, this is obviously just here, you know, not amongst a whole pile of feathers, like it's just the sole one right there. Um, that... I feel with how busy our lives are in society and in such a social media age to always post something immediately and that kind of thing. It's harder to take time to really be at peace with yourself and take time for yourself, much less to set time aside for God. Mm -hmm. So we need to just really truly value the small everyday moments and any miracle he does send your way, no matter how it's presented, whether it's visual like it was for me, or you feel him speak to you through a verse, or a gentle whisper of him actually speaking to you, however it may be, that it'll be that much more impactful because you took the time to be receptive to it. That's certainly a good point. And what are some ways you feel God speaking to you now? Well, as I briefly mentioned earlier, I feel that when I'm outside, especially now that I'm at college for a walk and I don't golf as much as I wish I could, I feel that breezes are his way of calming me and reassuring me. And I also think, because I have my journal over there on my desk where I write every morning after I do my yoga to worship music, songs that spoke to me that day, and I write at least a couple. So I also feel he speaks to me through music as well. Well, I'm certainly glad that you have that experience, too, and it's really strengthened your faith in God. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Oh, of course. Yeah, and is there anything else you would like to add? Just that I'm grateful to have this chance to talk about it in this amount of depth, and I wouldn't want to be interviewed by anyone else. Oh, thank you. That means so much. <laughs> I, I, would, I would not want to interview anyone else about this either. <laughs> and is there anything else I should have asked you that I didn't? Not that I can think of. You asked really great questions where I could elaborate, so thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. And may I contact you later on if I need additional information? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you talking to me, Ray. No problem. Thanks, Lord. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed that episode, and thank you so much for tuning in. Ta-ta!